free week and a chance to recharge the batteries ahead of a busy run of fixtures. We'll be reflecting on Albion's season so far, looking ahead to Bristol City with a very special guest returning to this week's Baggies broadcast. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Baggies broadcast, sponsored as always by the Kettle and Toaster Man. My name is Johnny Dreary and with Lewis Cox on a beach somewhere alongside his, his new wife sipping a cocktail on their honeymoon, we've called on some Baggies broadcast royalty to join me on the latest episode. One of the, the originals or the, the OGs, as the kids say these days. Uh, I'm delighted to be joined this week by the ENS's former um, West Brom reporter, Matt Wilson. Matt, thanks for your time. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Johnny. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. It's great to have you back. I'm sure a lot of the Albion fans will be reminiscing from your, your time in the uh, in the hot seat. How's things, things going now? A, a baggy season ticket holder these days, I believe. Yes, this year, um, me and my son have taken the plunge. Probably picked the worst year to do it, actually. But <laughs> we've decided to uh, we've decided to take uh, get our season tickets in the Brummie Road end. Um, he's six now, so which is absolutely crazy. So he's just getting to that age where um, where he can he can yeah he can sit through ninety minutes. So uh, yeah, we've got there's there's four of us. We've got um, me and my my boy, and then um, one of his friends from school. I got chatting to his dad last year and he said he was an Albion fan. So yeah, there's a there's a little there's a little carload of us that goes goes to the game. So yeah, that's I am I'm in the I'm in the stands now, um, effing and Jeffing with everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Have you uh you haven't been sort of spotted from your from your ENS, your baggies days at the moment? Anyone said, Oh, that's Matt Wilson over there? <laughs> no, but I haven't I haven't, but I'm gonna assume that's because I've had a glow up and uh, I'm looking <laughs> I'm looking much uh, more relaxed and, and better now that I don't have to report on the on the Albion. But yeah, yeah. not too uh, not too stressful these days. Um good stuff. Well well thanks for your time, Matt. We're gonna reflect a little bit on the season so far. Um we're five games in. Obviously it's an international week this week, so Baggies will be back on, on Saturday against Bristol. Um but we're just gonna be chatting to Matt about his his time really covering Albion. We're reflecting a little bit on our interview with Tony Pulis in the last couple of weeks. Obviously, Matt was the the ENS's baggies man when Pulis was in the hot seat. So we're going to just reminisce over a few of those days. But we'll start, Matt, with um with the season so far: five games, two wins, one draw. Um, is that about is that about right so far this season? Yeah, I think it's probably about right of uh, where we thought this team might be. Um, you know, it, it actually turned into quite a good start, didn't it, before the the Huddersfield game, and then. Uh, I think, you know, I was at that game and I think it was just a case of um, being Warnocked, you know, and I, that's what we said when we were walking away from the ground. You know, we've just got absolutely Warnocked there. I thought we were poor first half um, and, and Huddersfield deserved the lead. But um, but second half, it, they only really looked like one winner to me. Um, and then, you know, um, Carlos threw on all the, all the attacking players, made some changes um, and... I think it was Majo who had that shot in the 96th yeah, minute. And then, um, you know, if that goes in, you win the game. And then, they, of course, they go up to the other end and um, and score the winner. Um, I just thought, you know, some managers seem to have a hold over some clubs. And, yeah, <laughs> I think that was just a, a case of getting absolutely war-knocked, which um, was not ideal. And I, and I was uh, pretty furious uh, at full time. But, um, yeah, calm down now, thankfully. Yeah, what have you made of the, you know, the summer? Obviously, you know, there's there's caveats, isn't there, with the lack of resources and having to sort of reduce the wage bill. You know, what's your take on 
on the on the baggy squad at the moment because you know there are some good individuals in there but from my point of view it's more a lack of strength and depth maybe this time compared to you know previous championship campaigns how, how do you look at it well i think our best player is probably the manager if you know what i mean um yeah. he's got the ability to probably get a squad that is should i would say should be maybe in the top half but mid table one of those teams that if they go on a run could make the playoffs um but one of those teams that if they have a, be- a bad season they could be flirting relegation is is sort of where i i see at the moment there are still some 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 good quality players in there but then there are some players that are if we're being brutally honest are, are a bit past their best um yeah. and then some other players that aren't that aren't you know i don't know just just aren't aren't going to set the whole league alight but they they're hard workers so um it's it's not a team I dislike. I mean, I quite like watching them. Um, that you know they've got an endeavour and they've got a fight and they've got a spirit, which is which is is what I like to see. And I think that's that's down. You know, all kudos to Carlos uh, for that. But I think um, yeah, from my perspective, if we can be flirting around the playoff places, um, I think that 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 counts as an, as a, as a good season. Yeah. What have you um, in terms of? You know, we, we would have all liked to have seen a lot, uh, you know, a raft of new signings come in. Um, it was only the three, really, in the end. Um, what areas do you think Albion are weakest in, in Matt? You know, obviously, we've brought in a, a fullback, um, Pippa, who, who you would predict probably will start on Saturday. Sarmiento, we've seen that, you know, he's he's got something special at times, and Josh Madger. But is there any other areas where you, you think Albion are particularly weak at the moment? I think... I, I agree with you. I'd say the strength and depth isn't strong anywhere, really. I mean, we haven't got, for my money, um, we've got some hard work in strikers, but I don't think we've got strikers that are going to score you 20, 25 goals to get you up. Um, but I do like both Madger and Thomas Asante, actually. Um, I think um, in midfield, we've got some 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 good players I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Malumbi as well um I know you know he might not be the most technically gifted in the world but give me a player that, that runs his socks off over the over um you know a talented player that doesn't any day of the week so um I'm not too worried about midfield um although it, you know a couple one or two injuries and and there, there could be problems there but I think defense is probably the, the biggest area for me um I think that's probably been borne out in the first few games. The defence hasn't looked completely um, cohesive, although I would say Kipre's, you know, especially I thought he played well against Huddersfield and Kipre's had a pretty good start to the season. So, um, so yeah, it's 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 almost a case at the moment. Of, it's, it's a watching brief, isn't it, with this team? I don't know if you know, that's how you and Lewis see it, but um, it could it could raise it and and win more games than they lose and, and go on a good run or, or they or if they get a few injuries I, I do feel fear for us a little bit yeah it's an interesting one isn't it, it one thing that I've sort of an observation I've made you know I, I always talk about my generation of West Brom fans you know I started watching probably at the turn of the millennium you know I've been very lucky it's either been survival in the Premier League or or expecting promotion from the championship that you know this year is probably the first year where it's more hope than rather than expectation um do you think that some fans might get you know take a bit of time to to get used to that matt you know we've seen a few comments on various performances so far you know fans certain sections of fans haven't been 
overly sort of impressed. Um, but is it sort of, do you think it'll take time for people's sort of expectations to lower after, you know, we're talking about nigh on 20 years, really, where it's been promotion or, or survival in the Premier League? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think I think there is a the one thing I would say about Albion fans is that is they are realists, you know, and I think everyone knows the situation with the owners and the lack of investment and everyone can kind of appreciate that we've got a good manager here who is trying his best. So, you know, I didn't come away from that Huddersfield game annoyed at Corber and even though you could say, did he go for it too much? But over the course of the season, I'd rather he went for three points rather than sell yeah. for one. So, I, you know, I don't actually mind the fact that he did that. Um, in fact, I quite like it in a weird way. Um, so um, I, I think there'll be lots of Iron fans out there who, like you, like 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 I feel, probably would are hoping that they they can they can do something, not expecting it. And then in that scenario, actually, when there's no expect when there's well when there's less expectation, it can take the pressure off the team a little bit, and it can it can enable them to. Uh, to go on a run and then there's a good and then all of a sudden there's a good feeling around the place if they do win three or four in a row because oh we weren't necessarily expecting this yeah. um you know I, I but but i think we're going to have a typical championship season where you know we might win a couple in a row but then we'll probably lose a couple in a, in a row and, that, and, that, and that's how it's going to go i think um for for, for the main part yeah, it's going to be interesting to to watch. You know, you mentioned the, the off-field stuff there, which brings me sort of nicely onto our, our next section, really. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about the sort of managers you dealt with when you were in in the Albion, ENS's Albion hot seat. But, um, you know, a hot topic at the moment is the owners, Gaoxian Lai, the Chinese ownership and and how that's gone down. Matt, you were um, you were covering Albion back when it all sort of began, really, um, in the summer of, of, of 2016, I think it was, or July, June time when... When Gaxon Light took over the club from from Jeremy Peace, and I'm sure I'm sure no one could have envisaged back then when uh, Gaxon Light was buying what was it three beers and and scarves or whatever it was that that it was going to end as badly as or it was going to turn as badly as it as it has done. Um, I just wanted to get your your take on it really, Matt, and and how you sort of saw it all all back then, and and how you've seen it unfold really. Obviously, from an Albion fan's point of view, it's you know hard to watch, but you know I'm sure it didn't look like it was going to pan out this way all them them years ago so i think actually i mean even at the time there were some i wouldn't say alarm bells but there were some frustrations because you know we we as as local journalists are asking for sit sit down chats with the new uh owner and um that wasn't forthcoming and and i wonder whether that you know it was sort of put to the put to us that well it, it'd be pointless anyway because as english isn't isn't um as that good and it and, and it, it just wouldn't work so then you start saying well could you know can we ever sit down with some representatives and get their vision for the for the for the club and at that time it was um you know it was always on the chief executive chairman to do that but you never really spoke to anyone from lies camp as it were it was always you know whether it was john williams or someone or someone like that fronting up um and you know, looking back, you, you think actually, wh- where do owners do well? Um, and which are, you know, think football fans will traditionally say, well, what's the ideal owner? And it's someone that's really invested not just money into the club, but time and um, accessibility. You look at sort of Leicester's owners, you know, they go to the games, they're very visible, or they were anyway, they were very, you know, very visible public. And, um, you know, 
I think that goes a lot to say that this is something they're taking seriously. And it always sort of felt like this was um, a project for for Lai and, and his counterparts that was because the government had, had encouraged them to invest in football at one time. And there was always a concern, I think, that this could go wrong because um, it's not born a, it's not it's not born from any great desire to own West Bromwich Albion. It, 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 it's simply a government edict that, lo and behold, has changed. Now China doesn't want to be invested in football clubs, and you know it's not just Albion that's seen this. Um, it's uh, there's a, there's a whole raft of clubs that are now um, have been burnt with 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 Chinese owners, um, and and so yeah, I, I don't know. It, 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 I always think. With transfer windows, people go, "Oh, who's won the transfer window?" And you can you can't tell until twelve months later. Or you can't tell until two years later. Sometimes, and it's the same with takeovers. Um, you know, especially when the uh, the new owners are not willing to be public facing or front up, like Lai wasn't. You know, he went to one game, I think, and that was it. Yeah. So, you know, from even from the get go, it was sort of frustrating as a, as a local journalist trying to uh trying to find out what his vision was did you did you ever get any contact with you know with his representatives i think because you know i think we know him as ken but his name's zuki you know he became the chief executive you know after your time in the hot seat but was there ever any you know um correspondence because from what i can see the only correspondence that liars really had with albion fans was that really open letter he wrote when he uh when he first took over which referenced a, a trip to china by Albion many 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 years ago um yeah but that yeah. seems to have been about all there was yeah and that that was all there was and at the time so Ken was I was at the club when I was there but he was very junior he was young and um again it was it, you know the, the the people in charge at the time the, the chief execs the chairman and the, and the technical directors that were in place at the time said look it's not going to be appropriate for you to interview this this young lad um I say young lad you know you know but it just uh, starting out in his sort of executive um career in football he probably wasn't that young but you know what i mean he's, he's quite yeah. inex- inexperienced is probably the right word um so that was that was always the response and it was always okay down to the chief executive or the or the or the technical director to, to to answer the questions which you know to be fair to them they did so can't complain about that but it's it i think from a from from our perspective it was always you know well, what what's what's the end game and, and 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 after relegation the end game is has quite obviously been get promoted and sell because yeah. they want to try and get a return on their investment which they just know they're never going to get back so um yeah i'm for, i'm for, unfortunately for him i think he's made an investment that he's going that he's going to lose money on long term yeah no hopefully it's a uh... Please, the only shit with the club does end soon, and and there is a uh, a takeover. Time for an advert. As always, the Baggies broadcast is sponsored by the Kettle and Toaster Man, your graded product specialist with some brilliant discount prices over at their store in Briley Hill. I've been over there, and the amount of products that they have got in that warehouse is absolutely ridiculous. They've got some great products, top brands such as Hot Point Hoover, Kenwood, Morphy Richards, Russell Hobbs, you name it, they have got it over there, and they've got kitchen sets 
kettles and toasters, obviously, large appliances, even hair care. And of course, my personal favourite, as you've all heard multiple times, the air fryer. So head in store to the kettle and toaster man on Thorns Road in Briley Hill. Or if you want to do it from the comfort of your own home, fire up the laptop and go to kettleandtoasterman.co.uk. Right, back to the episode. Right, we're going to talk, uh, just talk managers really, Matt, as we mentioned at the top of the uh, the conversation, the manager in the hot seat when you took over was, was Tony Pulis. We were lucky enough to have him on the Baggies broadcast um, a couple of weeks ago. Part two of that was out on Tuesday. Um, I just want to sort of go through the, the managers you work with, with Matt, you know, when it was interesting, when I when I sort of saw Pulis speaking to the press as a manager, um, he could not be funny, but he always used to stand up. I remember, or he used to stand up quite a lot in press conferences. Um, I don't know if it was to intimidate journalists or not. Um, it was something that was brought up with me a while ago at the Hawthorns as well. But when we had him, we had him for a long time. He was very good, reflected on his career. I'm sure, he's a little bit more relaxed now. He's a uh, I was retired um, down in the on the south coast. But how how did you sort of get on with him, Matt, when you were in the in the Albion hot seat? Yeah, I don't think that was to intimidate anybody. Um, I think it was just. Um, or maybe he had bad knees. Didn't want to sit down. No, <laughs> I, th- I think I think it was more to do with the fact that a he wanted to get out sharpish so he could yeah. make a quick quick exit because Pulis's press conferences always lasted half an hour and no lo- no less no more. <laughs> it was it was very regimented in that way. Um, but also, um, I, I mean, I don't know if you do this, but you know, when you when you're making a phone call, an important phone call, I end up standing up and pacing around. Yeah, uh, I think it was point. just, to, I think it was just because he was a, you know, a press conference for a manager is a very important time of the week because you're on, you're you're performing really, and you've got to be careful with what you say, and you've got to, and you can land a few um, salient points if you're trying to, um, you know, get your point across to the chairman or get your point across to um, technical director or get your point across to the opposition manager or get your point across to the team or even get your point across to the fans. So it's a very important time for managers and any manager that tells you otherwise is, 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 is frankly not you know lying. And I think Pulis was just, he recognised that he was, he was performing at that moment. So it was better for him to stand up and, and be stood to attention and, and, and be fully engaged with it. So I think, I think that's all it boiled down to. Um, yeah. With regards to, with regards to Tony, you know, I got, I got on with him enough, I think. Um, you know, I think there was, I mean, there were moments when, uh, I think there was a moment uh, at the start of one of the seasons when the fans rounded on him and, and, and asked for him to go and, and, and we may have reported on that and, and, and asked the question and we, we got um, we got banned from the next press conference. So we had our run-ins every now oh, and really? then. Really? Which season um, was this then, Matt? I, I can't, I can't remember. Was it a bad start to the now. season or something? Was it, it was a bad start to the season. I'm pretty sure he turned it round after that. I can't, I can't remember which one it was now. But um, I just remember uh, he always used to do his press conferences at nine o'clock on a Friday. And um, and he and he said, he said no, you come in at 4.30 on a Friday. Knowing full well that then I'd have to write it afterwards for the next day's paper. So <laughs> he scuppered my plans of having a Friday beer. So, um, yeah. yeah um, but... So that was obviously so we had our run-ins. It wasn't all plain sailing, but for the most part, he was he was he was pretty good and pretty professional. And when you know um, when it was, I, I, it's funny, isn't it? Because I think he was he kept I think he kept most of the media at arm's length to the to the sense that he liked to make a he liked to joke, and I think most managers do. They like to they like to make the odd joke to try and um, you know ingratiate themselves to the media and and 
and sometimes you know people do it at work don't they it's just, it, it can be a defense tactic as well yeah. but i think he's um i think i think deep down he was he was a manager trying his trying his best to get the best out of the team um you know there were there were some obviously there were some fans at the time we felt that the style wasn't um wasn't you know up to scratch or wasn't exactly what they wanted um but you know when you look when you look back on those times he built a solid base and there were times when he tried to he tried to um go out of his shell a little bit and, and, and play a bit a, a slightly different brand of football um and it was often at those times when he tried to take the step you know a step forward on that on that regards that the results stopped coming so you know um then he then he would revert to what he knew was 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 effective and looking back on it now um to finish as high as we did in the, i think we finished 10th in the prem one yeah. year under him you know even that even that which is a great achievement even that was sort of um sort of solid because we were eighth for so long and people felt like we should have maybe kicked on a bit more and and had the team and had the and had the structure to maybe go on a cup run so yeah it was um but looking back on it now you you, you actually think well that that was a team to be proud of at the time in, in some in some regards especially some of the players and the, and the wins that we we managed to get against some of the big teams yeah it was uh almost a case of sort of careful what you what you wished for back then really how did he compare to so others matt obviously after that it was was Alan Pardew, which you know we don't have to spend long talking about his his brain, really. Yeah. But was that always a bit of a? How was oh, that Pardew, the press? Pardew was your best mate, really. Um, you know, he was very very charming, and he came in uh, with a with a yeah a whole whirlwind of charm, and and you thought, yeah, I can get I can get on board with this. I think this guy could turn them around. But then obviously. It wasn't just the results on the pitch, but what was going on off the pitch as well during his tenure that you made made you realise that actually that that that's that <laughs> that that veneer that he gave you on a in a press conference, yeah, there wasn't much backing it up. So um, no. yeah, he was probably the worst manager at uh, that 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 I uh, that I covered. Or well, actually, I say definitely the worst manager I covered. But um, <laughs> you know, and, and I think um, yeah, I. I, I I think well, he was, he was a disaster, wasn't he? So, and we all know that. I think I wrote that at the time. <laughs> yeah, it was a, uh, it wasn't great. You know, after that, we saw Darren Moore, and you know, there was a, there was a little point in, in that where we started, you know, everyone sort of started to believe. You know, I was in the Halfers Lane end when Jake Livermore bunged that ball over the line against, against Tottenham. That must have been a, a bit of a crazy period in your, in your time in the press box, Matt. You know, thinking that was my favourite. Yeah, I mean, when, when Darren came in, that was my favourite favorite point i mean that was sort of an albion fans dream really you yeah all even though he was struggling um and looked set to go down there was a four or five week period where we were the we were the story of the of the whole english football pyramid um you know we're beating man united um we were i think we drew in liverpool i can't remember beat tottenham um you know we had this impossible run in and we, and we were getting points of all the big teams and it was because of one man really. And it was because Dan had come in and by his sheer nature and by the, 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 the genuine bloke and, you know, absolute diamond he is, um, just completely rejuvenated a team that were dead and buried and, um, they wanted to play for him. And you, you've never seen a team turn around so quickly from, 
not wanting to play for a manager or thinking that the you know that the manager that they've got is a bit of a charlatan and a joke to uh to to having the utmost respect for a genuine good human being and um wanting and just wanting to run the shirt off their back for him and that's 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 basically what it was and um you know speaking to Darren after all those games was was a dream really because you were I was I was I was reporting on a, on on a possible miracle. Now, obviously, we know it didn't it didn't finish that way, um, but I was so glad looking back that he got he got the opportunity to manage us in the championship. And I know again it didn't finish how he wanted it to, and um, you know he didn't see out the season. But I was so glad that they gave him the, the, the chance. And I know at the time, and I think even I said it at the time, you know, this is a gamble because he's unproven. He's not had any experience anywhere, and but being around the club at that time like you couldn't help but think that there was something special going on and if you know what is football for ultimately it's for making you feel emotions with your community and I'm really glad that actually um the powers that be at that stage the bottom line you know they thought actually we're gonna we're gonna try and ride this wave rather than take the safe, easy route out for, uh, and go and get, you know, I don't know, whoever it would be, a Phil Parkinson or someone, you know, it's a, a, another manager or something. I so, think it was um, Dean Smith was linked at the time, was it? I think, was it Dean Smith? Dean was Smith linked was linked at the time, him? yeah. And, and, and I can't even remember what I wrote at the time, and, and I'm sure people will will, will, will drag it, dredge it up, and I may have even plumped for Dean and said, Dean's the, Dean's the safer bet, and he maybe is. But in hindsight, now I just think, I'm so I was so I was so glad they gave Darren that that chance. Um, especially when at the time there were very few black managers in in, in English football in the English football pyramids. Fortunately, it's a little bit better now. But it you know at the time it was it was um, it, I, it it was it was it was really nice um, and it was really exciting to be part of that club. Now, obviously, what happens a season later, but football moves so quickly. You know, tw- twelve months later, there's different issues in a different team and whatnot but yeah that those 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 six games at the end of that premier league season when when darren took charge absolutely best best times uh of, of my um journalistic career uh because what, a, what an absolute top bloke and i'm so glad that he, he got that reaction from the team yeah, he was. Uh, he, he certainly is a, a diamond of a, of a bloke. I'm sure Albion fans have really enjoyed their reminiscing about um, some of the the times gone by at the Hawthorns. Matt, just before we uh, we let you go, just want to have have a little bit of a nod towards Bristol City on on Saturday. Albion go to to Ashton Gate, looking for their still looking for their first win um, of the season. Two away games um, so far has brought just the one point. Um, we we mentioned the the new boy Pepper. Um, who didn't play against Huddersfield, came in the day before on deadline day. Now, you know, a lot of people are predicting that he will come in as a, a straight stop swap for Darnell Furlong, someone who, who hasn't really had a lot of competition in in recent years. Um, what's your sort of take on that? You know, I don't know an awful lot about, about Pepper. He did really well at Huddersfield. Um, do you think it's it's good that, some, that Furlong's got someone there now to sort of push him because he sort of picked himself really in, in recent times? Yeah, I do. I mean, it goes back to what we said at the start. You know, you need competition for places. Otherwise, people get complacent. Even the best players do. And you need um, you need that. Um, you need to to have the fear of actually, if I don't perform, I'm not going to play. So um, I think it's I think it makes sense. Um, you know, I. Furlong is, is a player that that 
that can frustrate at times because I think he's got all the attributes to be a fantastic championship marauding right back. Um, and, um, you know, he jumps so high and he, and he, and he gets up so well and he, he, he can, he can, he's, he's, he's fast as well. Um, but sometimes I just, I, I do feel that he makes some rash decisions and, and, you know, he's, he's I always feel he's, he's not too far away from giving away a penalty actually. But, um, so I thought I think it's I think it's good to have have the um have the uh the, the you know the the another person there challenging him really. Um and hopefully, you know, hopefully Pip I've not seen much of him either. I've not seen anything of him, so I've no idea what what he's like as a player, but hopefully he's good. And even if he isn't good, hopefully it, you know, he 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 mean, it means that Darnell uh, sort of improves as well over the course of the season. Yeah. Just defensively, um We've seen a back three. We've seen a back four um, at various points this season. What you know? What would you prefer, Matt? We've seen you know he's played both a lot of the time. You know, last season he, he flipped between the two, and, and this season he has already. You know, what what do you feel the best system is for Albion, or is it more of a horses for courses approach? Yeah, good question. I, I probably don't know at this stage of the season. It's quite early on. Um, I... I would I would say, you know, three at the back work only works if you've got the wing backs to to work with it. So I don't know what Pippa's like as a as a as a player. I don't know anything about him, but you could see it kind of working with 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 Furlong and um, on one side because he he has got that athleticism and that ability to get up and down the wing. But um, it you know it also it does put a lot of strain, you know, with with any system that you play, there's going to be holes somewhere else. So I don't mind the fact that we, I'd rather, I'd like the fact that we can play both or I'd rather we could, could play both because then it, depending on what the opposition does, we can hopefully switch yeah. it to something that's more suitable to, to, to beat them. Um, I do have faith in Carlos though. I do have faith in Corbran. I think he's, I think he's clever enough um, and good enough to, uh, to make those changes. Um, both before the match and, and in game. So, you know, ultimately, um, you know, our, what system suits the players? So it's almost well, if he can get if he can get them drilled correctly on the training ground, then that's the system that works the best. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Finally, just want to just talk about um, Jeremy Sarmiento. You know, someone we've seen in sort of fits and starts so far. Um, scored in uh, in one of Albion's wins, and you know he's looked. Sharp when he's come on, sort of throws me back to the likes of Matthias Pereira and, and when you were there, Matt Harvey Barnes as well, someone who can get you off your off your seat. Um, there is a big clamour for him to start, isn't there? You know, can you do you see him being a a big star for Albion this season in in the mould of of those two players I've just mentioned? Yeah, it's what's really funny was I was when I was at Huddersfield game and there were some lads behind me who were I think they did a few a few shandies before the game. They were talking about Sarmiento. And um, one of them said, "Oh, he's the, he's the best player I've seen down here." And um, his mates basically rinsed him for that because obviously they said, "What are you, are you mad? If you do you not remember <laughs> Pereira or or Barnes or Gale and and other you know other players that have played recently?" Um, and uh, and I think he's a really exciting player. I actually was hoping he was going to start against Huddersfield. Um, I was pleased when he came on and he and he and he looked like he was gonna. Every time he got the ball, you know, the crowd got really excited and. He was jinking it out of side of players. I'd I'd like to see him 
I think he's quite raw. I'd like to see him maybe um, once he's beaten his man, go you know go for the um, just put a cross in, see what happens. Um, rather than maybe chop him back again. Um, what was really interesting against Huddersfield, I thought, was I saw Corbran speak to him and say, "Go and get the ball in midfield." So he was telling him to go and get the ball. And whether that's because he could he could sense that he was causing Huddersfield problems, which he was. I think that's why he did it. Um, but then Samienta sort of went in field. He, he vacated that left wing and went in field to go get the ball and was getting it deeper and deeper. And then he was trying to beat players in a deeper position and he was ultimately losing, losing the ball and putting us under pressure. So I thought that was a bit of a mistake there. So I, 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 I'm not sure about that as a tactic, but I think we were chasing the game, weren't we? We were trying to get the three points. So I think that's why he went for it. Um, I, I, I would start him. I think he's, I think he's, um, he's ready for a start. Let's see what he's got. Um, you know, it, whether whether it's for Wallace or, or Phillips, I don't know at the moment. I think both both of them are are, are, are too similar for me, for my my money. You know, they're solid enough, but n- neither of them have got any the pace that they used to of old. And um, Sarmiento has got that you know ability. I think that electric ability to go past the player and, and with, with a jink. And um, so I'd like to see him in for one of those in, um, in, in the next game, if possible. And, and I, I was hoping to see more of him against Huddersfield, actually. So, yeah, um, I'd probably echo some of those fans' views on that. Give him a, give him a chance because, you know, he, he, he's a player that's really, really exciting. Yeah, certainly got something special. Matt, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to have you back with us and, uh, and look back on uh, your time at Albion and... Um, the season so far. I, I had a bit of a look back in the, the Baggies broadcast archives to see when your last sort of appearance was. It was actually in July 2020. You were brought back for a promotion party special with Luke Hatfield and Joe Massey after the promotion under Slavin Bilic. Um, so probably about three years ago now since you've been on the podcast. Blimey. Um, I, don't rem- so, yeah. I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> your second your second cameo anyway, and it'd be great to have you have you back in the future. Enjoy this season with your uh, with your boy uh, and friends in the in the stands. Um hopefully you'll see more wins than than defeats. Um always appreciate your time. Baggies fans, the boring international break is almost over. Uh, it's time to get back to what I like to call proper football. Thank you very much for listening to this latest podcast. Tony Pulis Part 2 is out now across all of our our platforms. Um, And until next time, on the Baggies Broadcast, boing boing, 